0: Hello and welcome to episode 221 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, joined by Bryson Poza. A two-game series against the Baltimore Orioles. We expected more, and we got less. The Blue Jays being rained out yesterday. Today being an off day, we've officially gone two complete days without Blue Jays baseball for the first time since the All-Star break, and probably the only
1: time this season that's going to happen
0: outside of the All-Star break. Bryson, how are you?
1: Yeah, I mean, besides that, I'm doing fine. Um, Not a good two days. And honestly, personally, in my opinion, I was very, or I I wouldn't say thrilled, but I wasn't totally upset that the Wednesday game got rained out just because of the way things were going. It just, this series alone has been bad vibes all around. And uh, I think that maybe an extra two days off before they come back home is maybe not the worst thing for them. Uh, Jacob actually gave me a t- sent me a text this morning saying how all of a sudden the Jays are now struggling with it without him being on the podcast. So I figured I'd throw that in there for you there Mark. Coincidence? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens when he comes back.
0: But yeah, I mean, on the one hand it's a good thing the Jays get these off days. On the other hand, you wish you were watching baseball right now and I mean, we are. I know at least I was earlier, the Field of Dreams game happening tonight. I got tennis on now in the background. But, um, yeah, you wish you were watching Blue Jays baseball. My first question to you is, do you consider this a full series? It's two games. The third one gets rained out. Do you think we, like, did the Blue Jays officially get swept by the Orioles? Or do we have to wait until that doubleheader in September until we know the end result of this series? Because personally, I think this is a full series. The Blue Jays got swept.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen the spark or the debate between back or back and forth about that. If it if it got moved and it's going to be part of a different series in September, I think I'm with you on it. So a two game series, as much as you know, it's not a big series. I do, I guess, in a way, they did get swept. But on the other hand, I guess they have a chance to redeem themselves now in September, which was or that series alone in Baltimore that got rescheduled is only about I think a couple weeks away. So. That'll be interesting, but I do consider it a full series like you do as much as it's kind of iffy or back and forth or kind of just an opinionated question.
0: Yeah, I, it's a full series, but that doesn't mean it means as much as if the Blue Jays got swept in a three or four game series. Like To me, the Blue Jays' one game, or I guess it's part of a bigger series, let's say this game got rescheduled to an off day that the Jays previously had and that was it. If they lost that game, I'd consider it them getting lost in a series, but obviously, or getting swept in a series, but obviously it doesn't mean anything because it's one game. So I think they got swept, but it just means less because it's only two games. But yeah, two less than ideal games against a team that is biting at the Blue Jays' heels in the wild card race. Things are tight right now. The Blue Jays are right in the mix with the Orioles, with the Mariners, a couple other teams, Rays, Twins. Guardians vying to be in that conversation, whether they are or not right now. Um, less than ideal performance from Yusei Kikuchi on Monday, to put it mildly, and then the Blue Jays seemingly have a win in their hands on Tuesday, and it falls apart later in the game with door hitting a uh, home run later in the game in the eighth inning that puts Baltimore ahead after the Blue Jays had the lead, before the rain delay. Lots of moving parts in that one, but... A less than ideal series in Baltimore, um, especially against a team that is right below you in the wildcard standings. Whether we consider Baltimore a legit contender or not, um, and to be honest, I don't think they really know whether they're a legit contender or not. Because like, they made some moves that seem to indicate that they are not trying to contend this year. Namely, moving one of their star players, Trey Mancini, to... Houston Astros and at the same time they're what 58 and 52 and two games behind the Blue Jays like I don't think they know what they're doing right now it's hard to get a read on where they are this season but bottom line it's a series you don't want to be swept in because you lose significant ground and ground that is very important to the Orioles
1: it's very important and the fact again is that They traded away, and in a way, they sold at the deadline. So despite the front office maybe not having that opinion or the same opinion as what the team has right now, they're going out there and they're winning games, and you have nothing but, I guess, disrespect of how they're playing. You have to acknowledge at the same time of how maybe – I don't even know I don't know if you want to say for real but in terms of the success they've had you can't deny it whatsoever and you were talking about the record of being 58 and 52 not only that but they have now tied the Tampa Bay Rays as of now at least because there's a game going on where they are playing uh, against the Boston Red Sox right now but as of now they are currently tied for that third spot in the wildcard race and also basically since uh, the All Star break, the Orioles have actually been the best team, or sorry, since July 3rd, uh, they've been the best team in the AL East. And as of now, it's 23 and 8. But of course, that could be 23 and 9 or whatever because of the game against the Red Sox right now. But they have by far, no doubt, been the best team in the American League East since then. Of course, being better than the Blue Jays, obviously, who are still, um, I mean, in a way, finding their way, but still an inconsistent team, and that's something that we've seen all year. And of course, playing a lot better as well, like the New York Yanke- or such as the New York Yankees, who have also been struggling throughout the month of July, and of course, even going into the month of August. So they're hot. Uh, they came into this series, and you have to give them credit. As much as the Blue Jays have also are also a team in this series where they didn't make things better for themselves whatsoever they light up you say kikuchi uh over five innings and really kikuchi only went to five innings just because again of the bullpen situation you don't want to burn your entire bullpen at the time of the beginning of a three-game series you're pushing him to five innings he was struggling to get to that the fact is he was giving up long ball after long ball and it just felt like a lot of these pitches were being or just being batting practice and Joe Siddle gave a great breakdown about how he found out in the second app out of the game that Yusei Kikuchi was going to be off just because basically he had trouble locating his fastball. And then when you do that, you start throwing your, your breaking ball and then you're just throwing it over the plate. And because your location's off and that, you're just pretty much throwing batting practice without any command, without any confidence. And that's basically what happened uh, with Yusei Kikuchi. I think right now, and this is a conversation that we had even before the All-Star break was... How much longer can you have him in the starting rotation? Is this a question that's coming up again? I don't know for sure. What you do know is that Ross Stripling is on his way back, and it seems like he's going to be back fairly soon. As or as of tomorrow on Friday is when he throws a rehab game uh, down in Triple A Buffalo. So. You assume that if all goes well, he's going to be back in the starting rotation next week. We know that Mitch White is a guy who they got at the the deadline for the rotation right now. We know that it is most likely he also will get a start at some point this weekend for the Jays. Who stays in the rotation when Stripling gets back? I think that's a question now that I don't know if it's set in stone uh, in terms of Yusei Kikuchi staying in there right now. But time and time again, it just feels like he has a good start. He has a mediocre start, and then he has a start where he gets lit up, and it's just kind of a cycle where he can't find himself. He's been inconsistent, and really, on, on a fun fact, it's actually getting to a point where, and this also uh, doesn't go well for a guy like Jose Barrios, because what I'm trying to say is it gets to a fact where you're having a really difficult time pinpointing who's exactly having a better season of the two because uh, for the longest time Jose Barrios has actually had a worse ERA than Yusei Kikuchi but at the same time just the numbers wise they've both been uh, categorically just obviously throughout a full season not good and it's just fun I guess trying to compare who you think is actually having a better season because of how identical the numbers are in a negative way, which, of course, isn't good at all. And then, of course, you go into Game 2. Uh, you talked about it. Of course, out of all people, you have Rugnet Odor take a go-ahead home run off the Jays in the 8th inning. And this is a guy hitting a home run, off, home run off of Jimmy Garcia, who's been so good over the course of the last month or two. And you just see that happen after a rain delay where the Jays take the lead before the rain starts with Bo Bichette. You know, you lose the momentum. You come out of the rain delay, and that happens. It just... It's just, for me, it's an automatic thing now, no matter how much better the bullpen may have been from the deadline or how good a guy like Jimmy Garcia has been. You are never co- confident with a one-run lead going into the ninth inning. And then, of course, Jordan Romano has a hiccup here and there. We know that, he, especially on the road, he's not very good. It just, it from the start of that game and game two, going into um, the bottom of the eighth and with the Jays up one run, there was not one ounce of me that had a confident feeling or a good feeling that the J, the or that the Jays were going to get out of this. And I think that's also not exactly the best trait to have for a team, again, who is supposed to go on a deep playoff run and just be, you know, one of the best teams in the American League East. For the bats themselves, well, not a good series either. I mean, I just it feels like double play after double play that this team is leading the league in double plays they actually aren't but they are first in the American League in that they've grounded in 91 double plays which is only worse than the Chico- or only better sorry than the Chicago Cubs the Colorado Rockies and the Washington Nationals so you have that going on you have not the greatest at bats of course reverting back to something that was an issue early on in the season with runners in scoring position this series in particular Not one ounce went really good for the Jays in any way. It's just, unfortunately, the offense in terms of at-bats weren't clicking. Uh, The starting rotation, again, not the greatest start from Alec Manoa, also in Game 2. You just didn't have a lot of things going on. I guess in terms of an individual highlight that I maybe took away from this series, or just, I guess, over the course of this last road trip, is a guy like Bo Bichette, who has been up and down all season, but it appears that he's back on the upside of his little up-and-down season, and you hope... The rest of the way that he can kind of stabilize that over his last five games, pretty much hitting the crap out of the ball. An OPS over a 1,000, three home runs, eight RBIs. You really like what you're seeing out of him. Again, for a guy who's been up and down all season, you hope that he can maintain that now. I guess that may be my only positive thing to come out of this series in terms of an individual performance. At the
0: same time, I'm not at all confident that this is going to continue for Bo Because like, yeah, he's really good in this moment, but we've seen these hot streaks before for Bo. He's done this previously this season, and then hasn't been able to keep it consistent over a large span of time. So I'm not confident at all that this is what we're going to see out of Bo for the rest of the season. I'd love to, obviously. Um, You always root for a player to succeed, but i I'm not confident at all because we've seen him get hot before and it hasn't lasted. So whether this is an actual turn in the tide or not, who knows? But, um, yeah, I just going back to the Yusei Kikuchi stuff. I, I mean, we come here after every single one of his starts to discuss how you solve. How you solve him, how you solve the Yusei Kikuchi problem. And like, I don't, Running out of stuff. I don't think there is a solution at this point, except whether the storm and whether that storm is just this year, whether that is for next year and 2024, who knows? But right now this contract's looking ugly. And I don't think any of us predicted it to look like this when the Blue Jays signed him, you know, three years, $36 million. I don't think any of us could have predicted that it would shape up in this way. And it's been, it's been pretty ugly. And you talk about Joe Siddle talking about that first inning. Yeah, I, uh, Kevin Barker had similar insight about how, you know, when he can't locate his fastball, which is his best pitch, a batter can instantly rule that out when they're going up there to the plate and they're sitting on something else because they know even if Yusei Kikuchi throws his fastball, which most of the time he wasn't, he was leaning on his other pitches because he knew he couldn't locate the fastball and Danny Jansen, you know, not to knock him at all but he wasn't really calling the fastball either. They were going with sliders and off-speed pitches. A batter can just sit on that stuff and hammer it when it comes in and I I don't know what you do with him. Like it's I feel like I want it to be reaching a breaking point in that the Blue Jays have to make a decision at some point about what they do with this guy but I feel like it's not I feel like the Blue Jays are content with just letting him go out there and pitch every single turn through the rotation whatever happens it seems like they're not ready to pull the plug yet and I like I don't know if again it's not an easy decision I don't know if like dfa him is the right option because then you know some other team is going to pick him up and the Blue Jays are going to end up paying his salary for two plus seasons for more than $20 million for him to pitch for someone else. And what if he figures it out? And I don't know. I I don't know how you fix him. Maybe the Blue Jays try him in the bullpen. Like I'm at a loss for what the Blue Jays should do, but I feel like they need to do something. And I I I feel like they're not going to do anything. I feel like it should be at a breaking point, but it's not at a breaking point for them. At least what John Schneider is saying publicly is that they're willing to let him go out there week in and week out, turn through the rotation in and turn through the rotation out and let him figure things out. And I don't think that's the solution for the Blue Jays. And maybe Schneider's just saying that because, you know, Charlie Montoyo threw Yusei Kikuchi under the bus and then Charlie Montoyo lost his job. So maybe Schneider is learning from the mistakes of his predecessor. I don't know. But man, like the Blue Jays, they got to do something. They can't be in a playoff race down the stretch and throwing this guy out there and basically forfeiting games once every fifth day, especially now that they have better options within the organization once Ross Stripling is healthy and now that Mitch White is on
1: the team. I mean, every time we come here, it's the exact same conversation because you see one start out of him where you're like, okay, maybe this is the start of something, and then it just slowly goes downhill. And for example, when he came back on July 28th against the Detroit Tigers, that's exactly what happened. He had a really good start twice through the order. We know that that appears to be the only thing that is really or in terms of what the Jays want out of him uh through the rest of the way it's just twice through the order get out of the game and that's exactly what happened on July 28th five innings one earned run you go through August 3rd at Tampa Bay same kind of thing happened as much as he got through the order twice in four innings he wasn't overly bad um you're happy with that. And then you go into August 8th, which was the start a couple days ago, and we know what happened in terms of that. And it's just been a kind of a recurring cycle through the years where you see one start out of him, you get optimistic, and then it spirals downward, and then it goes upward, and then that is basically been his season in a nutshell. And then, of course, on his way back from his neck strain that he was dealing with throughout the month of July – uh, I think the early word from that near when he got closer to returning against the Tigers was that he was working on his grip for a slider or he was just fixing his grip and he felt like his slider or his pitches in particular were at the greatest point of this of his season so far and that he was confident coming back. And um, we all know that how that happened. It just feels like at this point, unless things don't improve, and hopefully they do, and it c- could be crazy for me to say it, but if things don't improve... Is it really that crazy to assume or to maybe say that, again, if it continues to get worse or it stays at a level like this, this could be one of the worst signings in franchise history for that in terms of the amount of money they gave to him and just, I guess, the amount of time and effort they're putting into him without any results that are sticking. I mean, again, you see it once and then it just completely disappears. I don't know how much more they can try and fix try and change at a certain point no matter what uh they've changed from him compared to previous years what you see is what you get at this point and it's just unfortunately i think well pretty much majority of the fan base is now past the part of giving him opportunity after opportunity but you said it mark the team itself isn't just yet i mean maybe that's because of the contract they gave him. they want to put as much as they can they want to try and get every ounce out of it in terms of fixing them it feels like they've gotten to that point, but maybe not in their perspective and that's why now you look at it and you wonder what exactly is the future I've seen pros and cons I've seen you know people supporting the idea of a bullpen change people that aren't uh for certain reasons you know of course, that's always a possibility. I don't think the Jays have pretty much confirmed that or pretty much have said he's not coming out of the bullpen, but of course they could just be saying that um you know you you were talked about it in terms of DFAing or just moving on from him or just taking him out of the rotation for the time being you said you had Mitch White we're going to get an we're obviously going to get an answer on that next week but in terms of what John Schneider said again it, it just feels like that's what at this point the team is going to do regardless if you agree with it or not and that's run him out there hopefully things change because at this point again you can't be running him out there every 5 days if he's going to do this for a team that's trying to get in the playoffs we know this That's, I think, the most frustrating part is the amount of confidence and just the amount of effort they will do and throw them out there every five days, and you just aren't getting the results. So perhaps another good start or perhaps a decent outing for Mitch White this weekend could possibly help his case. I don't know, but again, Ross Stripling will be back at a certain point next week, and that's been one of their best starters this season. So a decision is going to come again. Will it be the decision that Jays fans are hoping for or want for majority of the time? I'm not fully convinced it is either. And unless we actually see it at this point, I think you have to kind of just have the assumption or have the expectation that he's going to be going out there um, every five days for the rest of the way. But I don't know again.
0: Yeah. Impossible to predict. And you saying this might be the worst contract in franchise history sent me down the rabbit hole a little bit. <laughs> uh, I think Vernon Wells might take the cake. Uh, yeah, that's the Blue up there. The signed him seven years, $126 million. Which might not sound like a lot now, but at the time it was the sixth largest contract in baseball history. Um, he was earning around $20 million a year. And the majority of that was backloaded. It was $98.5 million in the last five years of the contract. Um, and it did not work out for the Blue Jays. Wells dealt with wrist injuries, missed playing time, was never who he was in 2006. Which is what the Blue Jays were paying for. And Blue Jays ended up trading him Alex Anthopoulos, sending him to... Los Angeles Angels, who somehow Anthopolis got them to eat $90 million of the contract. So there's that. I also think Tanner Rourke might be a contender in more recent memory for worst pitcher contract. I don't remember the exact details. I think it was pretty similar. I think it was maybe just two I think, years. I think it was two years, $24 million, I okay. think. So similar average annual value, but a little bit shorter in length. So I think those are the two deals that come to mind, at least uh, over the last you know 20 years as far as terrible contracts in Jay's history go, but the fact that we're even talking reasonably about Yusei Kikuchi being in that conversation and we are in month five of a three-year deal. Yeah.
1: Are <laughs> um, there any other things? Yikes. uh but- it just feels like we're running out of things to say at this point. Like, yeah, I mean, we are. <laughs> I, I got nothing else to say. We None of us really have an answer on it. It's just, it's the same kind of thing, and it's really frustrating. That's all. If we're talking about potentially bad starting pitcher
0: deals, Jose Brios, you talked about oh, no. it. His numbers aren't that far off what Yusei Kikuchi has done this season, and Jose Brios is around for a lot longer. He's around for seven years Uh, what was it? Seven years, $132 million, I think, was the deal. Uh, another potentially scary. I, like, I shouldn't put him in the, I I don't think he's in the same conversation as Yusei Kikuchi, because you see the flashes of brilliance, and it is more than just a flash in the pan. Like, Yusei Kikuchi, we talk about his good start. That's like five innings, two runs, right? And when Jose Brios, we talk about his good starts, those are absolutely dominant starts. Those are eight innings pitched, scoreless, giving up like two to three hits. Those are top of the line, like best you could ask for in baseball these days. Um, So I do think they're two different conversations. It's just, it's another question of what do you do with this guy? What's wrong? How do you figure him out? How do you get him to a point where he is comfortable pitching and pitching to the best of his ability day in and day out and I don't know what the problem is with him obviously the Blue Jays don't know what the problem with his him is because he keeps having that problem and I don't know it's weird that he sucks on the road and is great at home but I for him I like I don't know to me there's no easy solution like you say Kikuchi if he really is starting I mean he already is but if he the situation gets any worse, like the easy decision is stick him in the bullpen. If that doesn't work, DFA him. Take the Tanner Rourke route. It's not an easy decision with Jose Brios because you're not doing any of that anytime soon. I don't think the Blue Jays would ever do that. Um You know, I think the, the most immediate option for them is trading Jose Brios. That is, worst case scenario, the only thing they would do. I don't think at this point, the, like I should say, at this point, There's zero chance they trade him. There's zero chance they do anything with him. He's staying in the rotation, do or die, for at least this year. I think also next year. Probably even the year after that. Like He is a long-term option for the Blue Jays. And no matter how he performs, he's in this rotation, do or die, for years to come. And I think he's going to improve a lot. Um, But how you solve what the problem is right now, who
1: knows. And that is more of an important piece. We talked about it in terms of how important him figuring things out is for the starting rotation the rest of the way. And you felt like you had that in July when he finished with an ERA of three. And then, of course, what happened uh, in his first starter two in August. <clears throat> not the best. And it's kind of reverting back to what you saw in April and May uh, in June. And it's just been inconsistency. Again, it's very similar to what Yusei gakuchi' is going through in terms of splits and in terms of just numbers all around. It's very close in a bad way and this is somebody, again, you talked about it, the commitment, he's here for a long time, you need him to figure it out, and it just, it gets more concerning and concerning for me, is because, again, we've never seen this from him before, and he's never known to be, I guess, just this inconsistent, and that's why it's kind of bizarre, in terms of what exactly is happening, um, you know, there's been times where his velocity's been down, it's been up, of course, he's been dealing with command, he's been dealing with a lot of hard-hit contact, but it's... You need, unfortunately, he just hasn't been, you know, you, you can't be as confident with him at this point in the season, and you want to be. But the problem is he hasn't shown it yet. But I think the thing that's frustrating is that we know it's in there with Barrios, or at least that's what he's proven uh, in terms of what he's had in his first seven years of his career. And it's, again, just something that you've never seen from him, and, and that's pretty much what's what's been happening in 2022. So... I'm fine I, I gave him a pass, I believe, from what I said on this uh the podcast a bit a couple weeks ago because of how or sorry, a week ago, because of how good his July was in terms of getting back to the Jose Burrios that we know. So it's gonna be an important start from Friday night, uh, which is tomorrow. You get a break because again or it is at home and we know the splits. Pretty much an ERA uh over seven on the road, we know this, and, and then of course the ERA just above three at home. So He's more comfortable at home. That's been the case for him in a weird way this year. It's the Cleveland Guardians coming to town, and he gets a chance to open up uh, the series, of course, on a good note. And I just wasn't confident whatsoever with that Game 3 uh, in Baltimore, which which was the game that got rained out. So hopefully he can reset. He can get back on that. And we, you know, I guess the ideal situation for this is to kind of revisit this again at the end of the month and kind of see where in terms of of course his August year is inflated but to see how close or if there was any sort of improvement from what we saw in July and July of course was his best month but as you get closer to the stretch run as you get closer to September the importance of him of course we know this is crucial for him to figure it out in the starting rotation because he's been one of those guys outside of an Alec Manoa, Kevin Goss and Ross Stripling who haven't been you know reliable or just haven't been up to their playing up to their standards and been underperforming and have been struggling and has been inconsistent. So that's why I'm curious to see how the rest of August goes because uh, because July's a building block for him to get better and it was by far his best month but of course he starts off August on a on a rough note. So that's why I'm eager to see how the rest of the month goes and you can kind of hope as you go into September it was another month of improvement and then as you get closer to October you're in a lot better. You're in a lot better of a spot, and you're a lot more comfortable with him pitching every five days.
0: Yeah. Is it fair to say that? I know we both think the Blue Jays are going to make the playoffs, and I think Jacob holds the same opinion as of right now. Who knows? But uh, is it f- fair to say that what, whatever happens with Yusei Kikuchi and Jose Brios till the end of the season, could be the difference between. I don't really want to say making the playoffs and not making the playoffs because I think the Jays no matter what happens have a really good shot of making it but like the difference between the number one wild card scene and the number three wild card scene like what what are the stakes at this point? like why does it because like I said, like I the Blue Jays have a good shot of making the playoffs regardless of the performance of these two guys. Why does it matter? That they perform well in the regular season. Maybe that's a stupid question to ask. I just think the Jays have a good shot at making the playoffs right now. And as frustrating as it is to watch them day in and day out. I, like, is it do or die? Like, it doesn't seem like it makes that much of a difference in the playoff race. And maybe that's a stupid question to ask. But
1: Well, it's just, yeah, like... If you look at it now, and of course you fast forward, you have to imagine people like Alec Manoa, Kevin Gausman, are pitching ahead of Jose Barrios, even somebody like Ross Stripling. Uh, that's another thing in the playoffs, usually a four-man rotation, but of course that can always be, I guess, because of the off days, you can always bump that up. You can always kind of skip somebody, and that's why it. even at this point it doesn't seem like he would start at the beginning of a playoff series. But, I mean, it could be important uh, if in terms of going to a, a game four, like you said, or even as you keep advancing – you know the rotation. We know what's been the strength strengths. We know what's been the weaknesses. And of course, even d- dating back to the regular season, the amount of games that they possibly could have won uh, in a start where Brios is struggling. And You can make the same argument for a guy like Beau Bichette, um, who's been inconsistent this year. And of course, just the lineup at the beginning of the year with their runners and scoring position issues. How much better, as much as they are fine, how much better could they have been if certain guys were living or playing up to their potential as a whole and of course individually? And I think for Jose Barrios to just we had, we didn't, you know, I, we all had high expectations, of course, other than the team. But for individually, I think we had a very, we had high expectations for Jose Brios. I believe that was Jacob's ace heading into the beginning of the year. We all had really high strengths. We knew that in terms of talent, Kevin Gosman was probably had the edge. Alec Manoa had a really good chance to take a next step, and so far this year, that's exactly what's happened. You know, of course, the biggest surprise out of the rotation. Was Ross Stripling being as good as he has been? And of course, the biggest one is Jose Barrios, though, in terms of the str- the struggles that he's had. It's just the commitments there from him, from the front office. It's important because, you know, if again, if you're heading into a playoff series and you're going deeper into a playoff series, and certain guys maybe aren't available or just aren't exactly, I guess, as rested as somebody like Jose Barrios, the depth is there. The depth is could be. Stronger, and it's something that should be stronger, but unfortunately, you just haven't seen that this year. So, that's I think the importance of it in a way. But the fact that he needs to pitch better in the regular season, of course, is crucial because we all know that you know you need to be on a good momentum swing as you get closer to those months and if you get closer to that game. And unfortunately, you just haven't seen that. So, I guess. It's, it is a tough question from what you're saying, but it just makes your team a whole lot better on paper. You feel a lot more comfortable with it. And as a whole, as a rotation, you definitely feel a lot more confident with it as well in a certain series like that.
0: Yeah, to be honest, I take back what I just said. I'm kind of horrified <laughs> that I just said that. Like I, I think what I just said made it sound like we're taking the Blue Jays, making the playoffs for granted. I think it, the Blue Jays have good odds of doing it, but you look at the playoff race right now and just based on how close it is, like you cannot take anything for granted at this moment. Blue Jays only two games up, um, you know, basically three games away from losing a playoff spot. And I don't think that, like, I think the Blue Jays are better positioned than that because I do believe they are a better team than the Baltimore Orioles and maybe not the Tampa Bay Rays. I think They're more competitive than the Orioles, but the Jays are a better team than the Orioles and they're two games up on the Orioles. So in my mind, it's a bigger lead, but hey, you can't take anything for granted. I think the, given how close it is right now, the performance of Yusei Kikuchi and Jose Brios in the final month and a half of the season, two months, could determine whether the Blue Jays make the playoffs or not. I think that's the impact and the power that they hold over this team. So um, it will be a test to see What happens? And it looks like we have a special guest joining us. Oh, maybe not. We just saw Jacob pop in the Zoom, but he popped off. We know he's on vacation right now. (laughs) He's on vacation right now. We were told he did not have Wi-Fi at all. Uh, (laughs) But apparently he had enough to at least click the Zoom link. But we didn't see his face or hear anything from him. Um, Okay. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., is now a Toronto Blue Jay uh not great numbers this season by any means but he's kind of filling the role that Bradley Zimmer is filling right now and Zimmer is still on the roster but I think give it 10 days when George Springer is back if George Springer is back that fast and Bradley Zimmer is no longer on the major league team I assume he doesn't have options left so I assume his time with the Blue Jays is going to be over um within the next 10 days, whenever George Springer gets back. uh, I mean, JBJ is a better option than Bradley Zimmer. It's not Bradley Zimmer's fault that he's been put into these situations where, you know, he's had at bats and has done nothing because he wasn't brought on this team to hit. But JBJ is better than Bradley Zimmer and the Blue Jays get better by signing him and getting rid of Bradley Zimmer eventually, whenever George Springer comes back. It's as simple as that.
1: Yeah, sorry, just in the Field of Dreams game, I have to mention it to you, there was a hologram from Harry Carey that really I saw that. Just, it it weird. just creeped me out a bit. So anyways, uh, going back <laughs> to what you were saying as I see that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not surprising because, or I guess I should say, it felt like this was something that had a decent chance of happening because this is something where it's just special with the front office in terms of if this team is interested in somebody a year, two years ago, maybe three years ago, they always find a way to kind of revert and get something done. Of course, a prime example is Kevin Gosman. And another example here is Jackie Bradley Jr. This was a guy that the Jays tried trading Randall Gritchick for a couple years ago uh, when he was on the Milwaukee Brewers. And I guess obviously it didn't work out. That turned into Ryan Will Tapia. But this was a guy that the Jays were interested in a couple years ago. And it's it's just knowing, a knowing connection between the two. So that's why not surprising at all for me when this did drop and of course when you look at it I mean yeah it just feels like bringing him in it it gives you a higher higher ceiling uh, than what Bradley Zimmer's had and the thing is is obviously offensively both of them haven't been the greatest but of course Bradley Zimmer this year has been on another level in terms of the strikeouts and in terms of the at-bats we've talked about how I guess at the beginning the beginning of his tenure he would get a decent amount of at-bats and then of course as the season's gone on um it has kind of turned into only a pinch runner role or a defensive replacement role it seems like that's a similar role that Jackie Bradley Jr is going to be in however i'm sure obviously out of the two they are more confident with giving a guy like JBJ more at or just at-bats and of course Way more at bats than somebody like Bradley Zimmer. This is now an audition for him to take Bradley Zimmer's job until George Springer is back. Because, of course, a lot of people were calling for Bradley Zimmer to be DFA'd right away, but I don't think people remember that George Springer was or is on the injured list. And that is why he took Otto Lopez's spot. So, until George Springer's back, you will see two of them on the roster. I think it's almost a lock to guarantee that one George Springer does come back. One of these two is staying. One of these guys is going. It feels like JBJ has the advantage because of the fact that he was brought in to begin with. If this team was happy with Bradley Zimmer, Jackie Bradley Jr. likely wouldn't be here uh, at this point. So in terms of the offense, obviously you have to give the advantage to JBJ as much as both of them have been struggling. Bradley Zimmer, on the other hand, in terms of fielding, both of them are good at fielders, but it just... I guess the fact that uh, Bradley Jr. has been better offensively gives him the advantage. And, of course, on the base pass, I believe he's stolen a lot more bases than Bradley Zimmer. As much as Bradley Zimmer's faster, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is more effective on the bases in terms of stealing more bases. So he could bring a little bit more on there as well. And it just feels like he is the better player. This is a guy who... Has also been a former Gold Glove uh, winner in the past. So it's just been a disappointing season from him with the Red Sox after returning to the Red Sox this year because he was traded for Hunter Renfro uh, in the previous offseason. So you bring him over here, a team that the Jays have, I guess, had their eyes on for the last couple of years. Once again, once not surprising after the Red Sox DFA'd him a couple or about a week ago. And now it seems like. Bradley Zimmer's job in terms of being on this team and the current role he's in and just his, I guess, his roster spot in general, it does seem like it is in serious jeopardy and it feels like his tenure here is leaning towards the end um, as George Springer comes back. We don't know exactly when, of course, that's going to be, but you have to imagine by the end of the month, hopefully into September, that George Springer's back and then that decision's made. Uh, I know the rosters do expand by one or two in September now, but... Maybe they use that on a um, a reliever and maybe a third catcher again. It doesn't have to be Bradley Zimmer who stays on the rotate or sorry stays on the active roster. So that's something that you kind of have to look at from there as well. Just two similar guys in a similar situation in terms of being really good uh, defensively, struggling offensively after kind of having you know, obviously way better seasons in the past. And I think Bradley Zimmer's kind of best season or one of his best seasons was in 2020, even though if you want to put an asterisk beside that or not, he was always or always has been a better hitter even back uh, when he was with Cleveland uh, a couple years ago. And of course, Jackie Bradley Jr. has also been much better. So similar situations, Bradley Jr. has a lot to prove for the rest of the year in terms of staying in the major leagues. I think he has to prove that after this season he's put forward or at least, I guess, just because of how bad he He's been in certain spots, and of course, the offensively is what I'm referring to. So that's why it's a similar situation for both people, but now in terms of getting an audition to take Bradley Zimmer's spot until George Springer's back, he has a really good chance to do that, and he may already have the advantage as we speak.
0: And all this does hinge on George Springer returning relatively soon, which is a big if in this entire conversation, because... We know his history with injuries and how problematic it's been, so we will see if he does indeed return that quickly. And we have secured the cameo of the century. Jacob, all the way from vacation in an undisclosed location. Jacob, you
1: want to tell us where you are right now? I don't know where I am. Oh, I'm in Orlando. That's where. (laughs) Jacob, you're giving me a headache in the first episode (laughs) of editing because I have (laughs) to go to three people now, so thank you. (laughs) Oh, man. No, honestly, I, I had to figure out, like, everything, because Zoom, like, deleted itself. I was like, oh, I don't even know how to open this on my phone.
0: Okay. uh, Vacation, Jacob. Three games against the Cleveland Guardians at the Rogers Center. What are you thinking?
1: It's a good thing you reminded me it's three games, because I didn't even know that at first. But oh, I'm going to say... <laughs> vacation, mind is set in. I'm going to say...
0: For uh for context, it's... Oh, oh, okay, okay.
1: No, go ahead. even need
0: the starters.
1: (laughs) No, I think uh, I mean you got to start winning series at some point. I think right now is a good place to start. You go home after that road trip. I think two or three is fair. I'll um I'll agree with you here, Jacob. As much as the only starter that we know for sure is Barrios, the rest of the weekend is kind of up for grabs, or in terms of I guess just undecided at this point. But you have to have an assumption that you're going to get a start for Mitch White at some point. But either way, you got Barrios on Friday night. We know the splits. Jay's not exactly coming off the best end to their road trip. I think they're going to bounce back after too much needed off days and have a good weekend against the Guardians. Two out of three, I agree with you.
0: I'll go two or three as well. Why not? Um, it depends a lot on who's starting. But yeah, like you said, I think we can. It's going to be Brios. I'm pretty sure Mitch White is going to factor into that. I don't know who the third guy is going to be. Maybe Gosman. Maybe. Okay. If Gosman goes, definitely two or three. If it's. Someone else, then I don't know who else it would be, though. I don't know. I guess it's yeah, Kikuchi it's, and Manoa
1: were in Baltimore, so you have it's to all kind messed of, up because
0: yeah. of the, the off day and then also the extra off day because of the rain. So, anyways, we'll see what happens. Uh, two of three. Uh, let's hope the Blue Jays do it because the Guardians are one of those teams that's not far behind them in the wild card race, in addition to the Orioles and the Orioles picking up steam. So, anything can happen right now. Um, all right. We got Jacob on the pod. We thought we wouldn't see his face for quite a while, but we were wrong. Um, three games against the Cleveland Guardians, as always. You can support us by heading to our social media at section138pod. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, we also have a Patreon that we've had a new supporter join, so you can check that out, patreon.com slash section138pod. Get exclusive access to our Discord, also our bloopers, from our episodes all sorts of fun stuff um and you can leave a rating and review of our podcast wherever you listen um all right we'll catch you after this weekend series